The Burroughs of Berea is a conversational podcast. We study the Bible and we talk about it. Not all of us are of the same faith, and one of us doesn't actually have a faith. And that's wonderful. We all love one another, and we're going to continue to talk about these things. The things we believe in and the things we believe about what we read in the Bible. Not all of these are necessarily true. Some of it is opinion and speculation. Thank you for listening and speculating with us. There you go. That was good. Yes. <laughs> you are listening to the Burrows of Berea. Side studies. Welcome back to the Burrows of Berea. <laughs> Let's start that one over. <laughs> I almost said burritos. Burritos. Starving. Burritos and burritos. Burritos of burritos. Welcome back to the Burrows of Berea. I am Rick Welch, and to my left is Billy I Candy Kimsey. For Easter, a cad. Billy egg. <laughs> oh, no. I just remembered Holly gave me some of those Reese's eggs for you because you mentioned it in the oh, podcast. Oh, man. I've got you them. You forgot them? Uh, yeah, I did. Oh, I yeah. didn't need them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's what uh, the peanut butter smell in here is your, your breath. <laughs> uh, straight out of Compton is Ralph Hicks. Represent. To my right is Jerry the Annihilator Lewis. Hello. Come on. You had <laughs> Last time she did the hello. (laughs) I like the opposite. I like the hello. (laughs) Hey, guys. And with the little hello behind the glass is Rocket Man, Andy Bishop. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) Did you hear in the last one where he did this? Like, I think I used the word whore and he he wasn't going along with it. And he went. (laughs) It sounded like a like a dying rocket, you know, (laughs) like one of the NASA rockets instead of what uh, Elon Musk makes. Oh. Yeah, Elon Musk is trying to buy, buy Twitter. Twitter. Yeah, yeah, he's trying to like a forcible takeover. 52 bucks a share. 54, I think, and that's Is it up? Huh? Yeah, that's a dollar over what I would give. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's several billion. I mean, that's crazy. Crazy yeah. money. Yeah. I don't know that I trust that human being to have control of a public speech platform like that. You know, especially the way he talks about AI and he's like, you know, in about 7 years, you know, AI is going to take over the planet and it's like Hmm. He he's an interesting man, but he's one of those that's that man is seventy eight percent media presentation. Oh he's yeah, he's so conscious of that crap. In like, but it's not it's not for the good of mankind. It's it's strictly for the good of Elon Musk. He's five different people if you watch five different interviews. <laughs> yeah, there's he's just man. He's not to be trusted with a speech platform. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he's got his hands in a lot of things, you know. Oh, he's not dumb. No. I just, he's self-serving to a large extreme, and he's very media savvy. I just don't trust him with a free with a speech platform that big. Yeah. It just does, it's not a good look to me. Well, you know, every time he makes, you know, he makes some sort of offhanded comment on Twitter, the stock market goes into like <laughs> a, a feeding frenzy. Like people can't figure out what to do. Like he did with, is it Dogecoin or Dogecoin? Oh, Dogecoin, yeah. It's spelled, there's a picture of a dog. It's Doge though. It's Doge. Yeah, it's kind of like a meme. It's kind of like a meme thing. It's from, uh, uh, you know, memes about Doge or whatever. Yeah. I knew a lot of young people that actually started like getting into Dogecoin and yeah. yeah, it was a giant currency manipulation. Part of the reason I don't trust Elon Musk is because things like that are generally intentional. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. he understands the power he wields, and he wields it to make more money, which, look, I get. I would yeah. do the but, same thing. You know, that's Lex Luthor. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Let's just, you know, ah, you have to be a little— great. 
You have to be a little careful when you have you know that, that amount is? of power. I don't know who he is. You know Superman? Uh-huh. Kryptonite. No, I know who Lex yeah, Luthor yeah. is. I don't know who this Elon Musk guy is. Oh, really? Elon's, uh, uh, he, he purchased Tesla. He got rich off of, well, PayPal. he comes from, he yeah, he got rich from PayPal, but he comes from like a ton of like, like mine money from South Africa. His parents were quite wealthy mine owners in, in uh, huh. apartheid South Africa. <laughs> Probably no problems there. Um yeah. <laughs> uh and 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 he is he's a smart and interesting human being, but I don't trust him as far as I could throw this building. No. He also no. owns SpaceX, which they're the ones that make the rockets, you know, that NASA is using. And then he also owns the Boring Company. Yeah, that's cute. That's fun. The Boring Company is real neat. That's pretty neat where they actually go underneath like several miles down beneath the surface like in LA and he's boring a tunnel that's, oh, that's- it's actually a terrible idea. Yeah. When you compare it to literally any solution that is even vaguely resembling mass transit, yeah. it is massively expensive and wildly inefficient. It's a terrible idea. I just Hopefully wanna, it never happens. They just put trains in. I just want to wreck God. I just want to wreck 6 miles beneath the surface of the earth. Yeah, in a in a <laughs> tunnel that's bumper to bumper. Yeah, yeah exactly. These neat on, on ideas. Now, these are good like these are good like sci-fi book ideas, but yeah. in it, it is a massively inefficient way to move people in the real world. Now, the Boring Company is a train. Okay, it's a super. It's a super train. No, it's it's the, it's not the giant tunnels that move cars underneath. It's the, not cars. It's actually trains. They're bullet trains that are they've, magnetic. They've changed. They've changed that. Yeah, it's no that longer cars because yeah. I'm not going to drive six miles underneath the surface of the earth and have a you know. Well, yeah. You know, like I'm not a fender bender. If he's if he's going to start <laughs> digging we'll holes, we'll in six yeah. hours. You know, like if he's going to start digging holes and putting high speed rail underneath the earth, I'm all for that. That's what he's doing. He I'm wants all for eventually it. he wants to go from L.A. to New York, and he wants to be able to do go faster than planes can go. It's you know, so outrageous. Bullet. You couldn't do that underground, though. I, I mean, it's it's difficult so. enough in a city, but it it makes sense because the land doesn't exist. So to do some things, you have to go underground. But from you end up putting LA, a particle accelerator in there. Yeah, <laughs> and sure. make sure you call before you dig. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> oh, trust me. Everything they tell you about where the stuff in your yard is, it's going to be wrong. Oh, yeah. That's right. Terrible. It's going to be wrong every time. Yeah, they always hit the water line every time. Can you imagine being in a tunnel and they hit the water line? (laughs) Oh, you want to freak out? I would be freaking out. There's a, I'll try to make this quick. There's this really fascinating program about how they dug those new tunnels under uh, London. Yes. With these, like those giant boring machines that bore and put the walls together as they go. And how they like had to like basically thread a needle with a machine that bores a hole wide enough for trains to go in two different directions. Yeah. It was fascinating. Wow. Yep. The I technology actually, is neat. I actually took the uh, the train that went through underneath the English Channel over to France. The channel? Oh, yeah, is that channel? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that's what they call it. But yeah, from London to Paris, it was really, it was crazy. It was really fast too. Kind of wow. surprising. Yeah. That's cool. Yep. And I, I think I watched Harry Potter when I was on there. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome anyway. to your public transit podcast. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's right. So anyway. Before uh, we get started, I have a question. Ask away. Because I forgot to look it up. Where were the sightings of Jesus after he died and resurrected? Where, 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 where were they? Where were they? I know one was there outside of the tomb, but where else? One was on the road to Emmaus, okay. where he saw the two right. disciples that were walking. And the Mount of Olives okay. uh, was one. That's where he ascended from. And also on the Sea of Galilee, he was on the beach because he met with the disciples there. We know about those. 
Um, I don't know of the others. I think that's about it. I was trying to figure out how many places. Yeah, it says, I mean, he was obviously 40 days and he wasn't always in the same place. There's no telling where all he went. But anyway, yeah, those are the ones that I know biblically. There might be more, but those are the ones that come to mind. Um, So Ralph asked me to do this. I'm going to, I'll tell you that this view of the Olivet Discourse that we've been doing is from the Preterist approach. And I've been saying that, you know, pretty much every episode. But this is a looking at the second coming as a past event. Um, there's there's a lot of differences uh, between the different sects in Christianity that look at eschatology. And preterist is one. And preterist meaning praetor means past, which just means these events took place in the past. Now, the reason I think that this took off is because it uses the time statements that are in the Bible. When Jesus says, this generation shall not pass, all of these things take place, it means that it meant something, that what he said actually happened. Right now, in most churches, they believe that that was somewhat symbolic, or it's going to be used for a later generation. Not this generation, but that generation in time. That there's this big on hold thing, you know? And I mean, I'm going to get into, I, I will not forget this. I am going to get into a little bit more about the history of dispensationalism in this particular podcast, but I wanted to talk to each one of you and let you guys have a chance, you know, to talk. So from uh, the listeners, if you don't mind, read Matthew chapter 24 and 25, and you can get an idea of what we're talking about. It's the Olivet Discourse, where Jesus tells the disciples when the temple is going to be destroyed, what the sign of his coming would be, and when the end of the age would be. So that's what it's about. So, Cherry, you've been in the faith, what, seven, eight years? Yes. So seven or eight years. So your only teaching that you've been receiving is a dispensational view. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. So the stuff that I've been bringing in this study, what do you think? Has it changed your mind at all, or where, do you, where are you at? Are you on the fence? or? I would have to say that uh, it hasn't changed my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, it would take— a lot of studying, more than what we've discussed, mm-hmm. to change my mind at this point. Yeah, I mean, which I can, is good. I mean, you're not just no, you know, a reed shaking in the wind. Um, yeah, no, I just to change the way I see it and the way I feel about it. It would take, like I've said before, it would it would take the Holy Spirit directing me in the direction from a preterist view and but it would also take a lot of studying on my own part as well which I have not studied in depth mm-hmm. to be able to change my mind at this point sure Andy so you'd never really heard this approach before no I didn't even know it was an option yeah what um do you have any thoughts in regard to it like well, how do you feel about um obviously coming from your perspective I'm really I'm very curious like you can see how Christians argue points all the time. You know I, what I mean? I mean, this. if if I was going to try to interpret this document in some way, it would be this way. That just makes sense. Like, I feel like you have to make such big logical jumps to put it in the future. 800-year-old mm-hmm. people and stuff. I mean, look at the stuff people believe to, to like, make that make sense to themselves. It's mm-hmm. just, it's just, I'm not big on, like, giant logical reaches like that, you know, right. it makes a difficult subject more difficult to me. And I just, again, you know, maybe if we had somebody that was ready to argue strongly the other side and was as informed as you, but just reading the text literally, it seems to make sense to me, or at yeah. least you know, what we've gone over, right? 
Absolutely. And we're going to do a little side study in the future, just you and I on notes from the underground. And I'm actually going to do that. I'm going to give the dispensationalist theory, like, and we can do it in an hour. We can mm-hmm. literally lay out what they believe and why and the, some of the key verses. High points. Yeah. Get the, hit the high points so that we give it a fair assessment. It's not, you know, most people who are, are listening to this podcast are already dispensationalists. So they mm-hmm. already pretty sure. much know it. But for those who don't, who are coming at this, like you didn't even know it was an option. There's a lot of people that didn't know. A lot know. of people that don't. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of people I don't think I was alone, just even though, you know, obviously I come from a lack of knowledge in, in many ways. And, yeah. and obviously giving the caveat that, no, I don't really believe any of this that people right. think is going to happen is going to happen. But But if I was to try to interpret that document, that is the path, the literalist path like that is the one I would probably be following because that's just kind of my nature. Right. And it's funny because dispensationalists actually say that preterists are more um, more elusive about not being literal, that we're more figurative, which is interesting mm-hmm. because we're actually looking at it in literal time, but then we look at the resurrection as a spiritual event. Uh-huh. They look at it as not Physical. necessarily literal time, but a literal event. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it's actually like a, the resurrection is a physical like you're coming out of the graves, you're going up into the air, just like it says, and then you meet Jesus, you know, in heaven. It seems like two different subjects to me. <sighs> yeah, and the destruction. The literal time placement and the uh, metaphorical or literal raising of the body seems like two different, I mean, related to the same core subject, but essentially two different ideas anyway. Yeah, and and also, just so you're aware, if, if someone who is coming at the Bible and reading it like a document or looking at it as like a narrative of the past, let's read it mm-hmm. as a historical narrative— um, if you don't understand it, the first thing that you're going to hear is, well, it's spiritually discerned, and so you need the Spirit in order to understand the Word. And that is mm-hmm. true about some things. I believe that. I think that there are some things that you just won't get unless the Spirit gets you. However, reading and understanding a document, is it's just basic. Reading and understanding is pretty basic. So a lot of the Bible is like that. And a lot of it is figurative, and a lot of it is literal, and mm-hmm. it's, sometimes it's difficult to figure out which one is which, right? You know, right? Because yeah, I mean, for me, it's just a, it's a, it's a, a questionable historical document, but one that absolutely has real events in it. Yeah, you know, so. I was I was sent a video, and I, I, I want to get your both of your takes, Ralph and Billy, both. But um, I was sent a video uh, the other day, and it was in regard. It was a dispensationalist preacher. This was just from about a year ago, and. He he uses a lot of the language. What what we didn't get into in this podcast is like we talked about C.I. Schofield and the Schofield Reference Bible and how there was dispensationalist theory inside that book. Um, but what we didn't get into, oh, actually, we did. We talked about the Dallas Theological Seminary School, Moody Bible Institute, and these other institutions that came up. Um, but one of the things I didn't get into was C.I. Schofield's little booklet called "Rightly Dividing the Word of Truth." And one thing you'll hear from dispensationalists is you have to know how to rightly divide the Bible. And C.I. Schofield said that there were certain books of the Bible that you should be reading that was that a Jew should read, and there were certain books of the Bible that a Gentile should read. And John Hagee teaches the same. I believe that all of the Bible matters, and we should read all of it, right? And that's the kind of like the church that you and I come from, uh, Cherry, that we believe like you should read all the Bible, not just pick and select, you know. But in order to make the theory work, that's how you have to do it. You have to, quote unquote, rightly divide the word of truth, which is something that Paul said— And it doesn't even mean that. It means to dissect and to understand. Study to show thyself approved, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. In other words, study and understand. I think we ought to study history as well and study the times Mm -hmm. and then also look at other writings by other people, even though they call those the unknown gospels or whatever. But I think we should, part of that is, a lot of it to me is understanding the times in which this was written. 
and for whom it was written, and uh, and then understanding uh, the history and what's happened since, and trying to put all of that together to come mm-hmm. up with, um, you know, what could be an opinion. I mean, there's 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 a ton of opinions. Yes. And what I didn't know going into this was the different sects that there are around this. I mean, there's four major yeah. sects about this. You know, the the preterist, the historicist, the futurist, and the idealist. Yeah, Cherry went over that. That's right. And uh, it's, I mean, it's interesting. You, Except for the preter, except for the full preterist, mm-hmm. I think that many religions depends on what church you go into. Uh, they, they're they're talking any of the other three. Yeah, you're right. The full preterist or the hyper preterist is sort of an anomaly. Right, they're very few, you know. But that where I get my notes from the Berean Bible Church, they're hyper preterist. You know, they're full on. I've, I've heard that full and hyper don't mean the same thing, so I don't even know how you even describe those. But yeah, so what do you think, Ralph? Like, since you've heard this, like, are I you— I think like I do everything else in the— I, I, First of all, I believe it's possible, and I believe in Jesus Christ. So we'll right. start there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I understand that I don't have a lot of knowledge on any one— You know, as far as the whole thing is concerned, I don't have a lot of knowledge about the whole thing. So I'm still continuing to learn. I believe that it's a possibility. I believe a lot of those things did happen. Um, the, the, the part of me that's unsure is at the end times, the tribulation. That's mm-hmm. the part where I don't know enough about that, and I've stayed away from <laughs> that last book sure. of the Bible because yeah. I just didn't— it, it, First of all, it's never interested me because of the way it talks. I never took the time to really study it, and I have studies on it. I've just not done it. So I, I believe it's possible. I do believe a lot of those things uh, came, uh, came uh, true, uh, and uh, I believe it's possible that everything up to 70— So I would be a partial preterist, I think. Yeah. Uh, thinking that you know a lot of this has happened, but when it comes to the tribulation, there I have questions. So, right. Well, and by defining yourself as a partial preterist, you would be saying that the temple was destroyed. Yes. Well, the great tribulation happens before the temple's destroyed, and so if you're going to use it in timing, that's why the preterist will say time matters. Right. But I don't have enough knowledge in that area to make it a, a, a right. What I would consider a an intelligent decision for me. So I say this is this is where I am and I need more study uh, on it. I think where people probably get hung up a lot is the argument that Jesus, when he's talking, he's talking writ large about the world versus is he talking about Jewish society. Right. And I think that that's a real big hangup for a lot of people because people take that as him talking about the entire world. Mm-hmm. And and I'm not sure that's the truth of what he's concerned with, but that's, I'm, you know, I think that's where a big tripping Well, that's another is. thing that, that, that when I was reading this, I was trying to understand is when they talk about the world, and I wrote a note about that somewhere in here, is it, was he talking about the world as we knew it then? Right. Instead of the world we know today, which mm-hmm. is another thing that I say when we need to keep in contact with when this happened, what was what was the known world to those people? Well, it was, you know, the Middle East and the areas surrounding there in Africa, but it wasn't all over the place. They didn't have a lot of knowledge about that. So, it, I don't know if he was talking about the world as everyone knew it, mm-hmm. or if he was talking about the world as it would be someday. Right, yeah. I can see that. Like, all of these points 
are good. What about you, Billy? Like, since you'd never heard this before. Nope. So no, what do you I, think? I'm, I'm, I'm right there with Andy on that. I'm like, I didn't know there was another option like, mm-hmm. until you introduced this. And, and, and I can't say you're wrong mm-hmm. because I mean, everything that Jesus said, I'm not, I'm not going to say that Jesus is wrong, you know, cause everything that he said happened. Right. And if you go back to, if you're standing there and listening to Jesus talk and then like the temple is destroyed, you'd be like, this is this is it, you yeah. know. So, if anything, it's it's made my understanding that God is in control. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I I just I, I can't imagine the slack that you're getting, Rick, to introduce this 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 thought or this opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, because, I mean, the church is always. I've always been taught that Jesus is coming. He's coming back. The yeah. billboards, the 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 messages. Um, everything that Jesus spoke of then in that time is to, you know, correspond with us now. Mm-hmm. And so this was this was interesting. You know, I, I can't say that you're wrong. Um, I don't know if I fully agree with you. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, you know, we're all entitled to our opinions and our beliefs. And it's very interesting. Very interesting. What none of you guys know is that if any of you said, hey, Rick, I fully agree with you then I would be very disappointed because I know that you haven't done the homework. See, I thought you were going to go with the, if somebody fully agreed with me, they were going to get a car. And I was like, we missed our Oprah moment. <laughs> well, darn. You well, get a car. You get a car. Just <laughs> well, I, I like Billy's. I didn't know there was another choice. It's like going to wedding and saying, fish. I didn't know there was fish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or, I was going to say, or, and at the end of the- I do. Is there another choice? <laughs> no, <laughs> I do. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. oh, I thought you were talking about food, right, Ralph? Uh, at the end of the hey, podcast, now. There'll be something underneath each one of your chairs. So, it's my Reese's eggs. It's my Reese's eggs. You'll know not sitting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're standing. Yeah. And just so no, you no know. No surprising he's single, folks. Mine will probably be a dog turd. That's what I've been getting <laughs> pictures of lately. So. Oh, really? <clears throat> well, he got the one, but he's real anxious about it. Uh, you know, honestly, that one didn't bother me near as much as the people that just go on. They're very threatening. You know, this is a, it's like it's a dangerous thing to talk outside of what you know. And, What I learned from this study, what I personally learned from this, is that there are a lot of people throughout history that have looked at the Bible in different ways. And I don't think that it's wrong to do that. I think that you learn from the society that you're raised in, you have the family that you're in, the community that you're in, you you read this Bible with the, the best of the ability that you have in your mind, and then as you as you begin to learn and you see things and you develop, you're allowed to change. And that's something that I didn't know. For a long time, I felt like, you know, preachers would say, God doesn't change, you know? And it's like, you, you know, you're right. He doesn't, but I do. And right. so my, my view of who God is has gotten bigger and better than it ever was. Well, I think you're, you're, what you're doing is, you know, none of us are born with prejudices. There isn't a child born with a prejudice. We're given those. And I think you're stripping away your prejudices. And what I mean by that is as you grow older and you are with people, they give you their optics, which is a prejudice, which is their opinion, which is their view. And so you're stripping away all the prejudices that have been put upon you in your life and you're coming up with what is now your own view. Sure. I mean, go ahead. I was just going to say, I would hope any of us, you know, that believe in Jesus Christ for sure, wouldn't spend a lifetime, however long that is here, and never view God differently, even though He doesn't change. I would hope that we each grow in our relationship with Him. 
I mean, if you don't study, if you don't, if you were to say, well, I, I you know, I've been uh, in the church, say for 10 years, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And I still have the same view of it that I did originally, then you have no growth. That's well, right. That's not I, healthy I, for I a spiritual relationship I, either. I agree about with that hundred percent. And I said that, that, that parable about this guy was given this many and this was given this guy and this guy, everybody was given money and uh, one buried them and one made five and the other one made 10 and was taken away. I, I think it's the same thing with your spirituality, your walk with the Lord. I think that he just doesn't give you this. Yes, you have salvation. And mm-hmm. if you just ask for it and you believe it, fine. But still read and study and get yeah. in the word. and Because and, the more you get in the word, the more you're going to understand, the more you understand, you're going to be able to share and you're going to be able to answer the commission because you will be prepared. Right. Mm-hmm. As, Go ahead. As, as an outsider, I just say, if when I meet a, a Christian, if you're having a, a, or whatever, whatever you believe in, it doesn't have to be Christianity. If you're having a discussion about something like this and their view is, I don't know, that doesn't make sense. And yet I believe yeah. that person I hold in, much higher regard than somebody that never will admit to confusion, never will admit to doubt. You know what I mean? Right. But the one that's like, yeah, I know that's weird, but but yet I have faith. Mm-hmm. That is a person I, I appreciate, yeah. you know, the ability to have both of those things. That's a real human that's admitting the truth of themselves mm-hmm. as opposed to people that pretend like they don't have doubt or pretend like they never see two things that don't quite make sense. That's ridiculous. Right. I've been proven wrong so many times that I always say, I, this is what I believe, but I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I always, I'm always in like this fight to prove it. You know, that's what I'm always in for myself. Like I, in order for me to change my beliefs, I have to prove it to myself. And the only way that I'm going to do that is through, the scripture, if, because we're these, all of these things that we're talking about revolve around the Bible. You know, um, the same way with every other thing in my life too. You know, <laughs> like I will prove to myself that gravity doesn't work, and then next thing you know, I'm flat on my face, right? So, but the, I've always been that way, and that's something that it makes me happy to continue to seek. But you know, when I first encountered Jesus as a child, there was a reason why, and it was psychological, you know, for me in the beginning is because I didn't, I just didn't feel a lot of love, even though I love my family. I love my mom and my dad. Let's just be real. I do. And every human makes errors and does do the things they do. My parents did what they did. I love my parents. It doesn't matter. But in the early phases, they were trying to figure it out. They were kids that had kids, you know, they were in their teens and they had me. And, you know, so there was a lot going on in their life. They were super stressed out and they couldn't really focus on me. So I felt I wasn't abandoned as a child, but I felt a lack of love and I felt very lost, you know. And so I had some people that were showing me a lot of attention and that were, they were very loving people. And I enjoyed that, you know, that fellowship with them as a child. I just, I longed for it. I, I went for it, you know. And if it had been a pagan group or a satanic group or whatever, if they were showing me love, I probably would have went that direction, but that's not what happened in my life. I had Christians that came to my home that invited me to be a part of this church. And then literally why gangs are a thing, because it doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? It doesn't make sense if you don't understand that. Sure. That's that's what people are finding there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And they take care of each other and they love one another and they do what they got to do. Which sometimes is ridiculous from the outside, but to them, somehow it makes sense, I guess. Well, of course, you know, it does. And so for me, that's what happened to me. And that's how I got involved in this to begin with. But I, I went away from it for a long time. 
I got to a point to where I just I didn't believe in anything at all. Like I, I, as far as God, I didn't believe that there was a God that had created all things. I I really believed in. I didn't really care about the Big Bang and how they wanted to describe it. To me, it seemed like everything was chaos, and that chaos came at you know created order, and then order goes back to chaos, and you know the universe is small, and then it expands, and then it goes small and expands, or there's multiverses, or like I just. I went through all of the things, you know, and then I started looking at Eastern religions and trying to understand that just by some friends that were dabbling in it, you know, but there was something that happened to me outside of, of all of these other people that happened to me individually that made me cling to Jesus. That for him, he was the one that I wanted. And it was the reason why was because first of all, he was the only one in the religion that I saw that completely sacrificed himself based on this these rules that were set up in the universe by this God. And so he was a man that came to his people and was healing them and was, you know, trying to make them better and telling them to love their enemies. And like I thought, why in the world are they killing this guy? You know, like why'd they kill him? Because why were they so upset? And then I thought, Man, isn't that how society is? I mean, you try to do something good and it just tries to it just knocks you down a peg. That's just what our world does, you know? And it you even in the people that are the most successful, they have bad days. They have really bad days, you know, it can happen. Success is no indication of happiness, unfortunately. Not at all. Happiness has nothing to do with success. I mean, sure, for a season, you know. But for me, I just I saw everything that Jesus did. And I just thought, I got to get to know this better. I got to get to know him better. I got to get to, you know, and I wasn't even in a relationship with him. I just wanted to know him better. And the only place that I can find that is in the Bible. Even the people that claim to read the Bible think a lot of things about Jesus that aren't real. And so in order to know who he was, I went to the source. Now, those books were written by man. They were physically pinned down by man. But I believe that God used the man to write these things. And I have my reasons, and I'm not going to explain them right now, but I have my reasons why I believe that, and I truly do. And so when I got into this book, then it started to open up a little bit at a time. Over time, I just kept studying. And that's, that's what this podcast was about. There are preconceived notions, guys, that we all learn that prevent us from knowing who he really is. He is in this book. If you want to know who Jesus is, read the book. If you don't read it and you want to complain about him, I feel like you should just shut your mouth. I mean, that's how I feel. If you're not going to at least give the time to the book where he comes from, and you're just going to say, oh, no, no, no. You can complain about his believers and what they do all that you want, because that's going to continue going. But if you want to know who he is, then give him the time and get in that book and read it. It's just like people that don't vote, but then they want to complain. You want right. to complain, vote. Yeah. To, to be fair, I know a lot of mostly non-believers, not necessarily like avowed atheists, because it's not like a, people that don't believe don't spend a lot of time worrying about it. But I, none of them that I, – I don't know anybody that's like, thanks, Jesus, or the message that comes with Jesus is not – pretty worthwhile. Yeah. I really don't. I really don't. You know, it's not like I've done a poll, but it comes up every once in a while, you know, life's long. Yeah. Well, I've spoken with a lot of, I I, I agree with that because I've talked with a lot of people and some people that are atheists and they say, you know, at the end they say, well, what do you think? And I say, well, at at the very least, if you don't believe that, uh, if you read the Bible and you read the different things and it, it, it gives, it's, it's, it's the only guidebook 
for life that there really is because they talk about relationships and money and I mean everything is everything is in there. So at the very least, if you want to learn a, if you want a book of life, there's a book of life. Yeah, there's life in that book and death and and all Mayhem sorts and, of stuff. And if you're it's looking full. for some blood, yeah, it's got some blood. blood in there. there yeah. will be blood. There will be blood. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So. I'm going to ask a couple of questions and then we're going to wrap this one up. And I just asked the listeners, do your homework. You know, in that video that was sent to me, the preacher said, you don't know anything unless you rightly divide a word of truth. Look what the Bible says. Look what it says in all of the discourse. It says, the sun will be darkened and the moon will lose its light and the stars will fall from the sky. That ain't happened yet. These people are idiots. That's what he said. He's basically calling me an idiot is what he's doing in the video. I mean, I'm not offended, but that's what he said. And I thought, he just, he just, said something that's kind of bizarre to me. He said that they need to rightly divide the word of truth, but he has no idea what the sun, moon, and stars mean. And you guys should know it by now. If you don't, it's in the Old Testament. It is something that prophets spoke in judgment of nations that came from God. This was how he spoke it. The sun would be darkened and the moon would lose its light and the stars would fall from the skies. The earth would roll up like a scroll. The mountains would you know, would be filled with blood, you know, like this was apocalyptic language. I'm rightly dividing the Bible, and I'm telling you what the sun, moon, and stars mean. I'm telling you what a cloud coming means. I learned in this one that the cloud coming from the ascension was the actual fulfillment of the cloud coming to the throne of God, and that He was the Ancient of Days. I learned that. I was like, oh, wow, the cloud was going up too, and that is a fulfillment of prophecy. Like, I hadn't really known that. And I wouldn't have if I hadn't put the time in, you know? So, According to the Bible, Billy, who created the world? Trick question. Jesus. Right. So God created it, mm-hmm. but Jesus was the instrument. Mm-hmm. Correct? We learned that in yeah, our that very like, first yeah, podcast. Was, yeah. Yeah. So let's let's wrap this up. I'm going to try to do the quickest <laughs> overview possible, okay? God made a covenant with a man named Abraham. Okay, when he created the world, when Adam and Eve were in the garden, they sinned, they fell. Man was only doing evil continually. That's what the Bible teaches, evil continually. We've studied the Nephilim. That was during the time when the evil angels were coming in and sleeping Mm -hmm. with the women and making these giants in the land and all that. They were doing evil continually. And God, in his heart, had repented that he made man, and so he floods the earth, right? He absolutely floods the earth. After that, God, with what he saw, he said he would never do it again, right? Right. The Bible says that. So we've learned Mm -hmm. something about God. He was sad that he made man, but then he was even sadder when he killed him because he does give him another chance. And we learned that in the New Testament in Peter, that he actually, Jesus goes and preaches to them that that died in the flood. I'll I'll give him the rainbow back if he brings another flood and gets rid of everybody that is, shouldn't be here. Man, that is so mean. We, <laughs> we are, we are, we are just, we are poor excuses for, for God's creatures, I have to say. Well, I mean, not all of us. So let Some me pause you. Just, just pick, pick everyone's brain real pause quick. Me. Pause just, me, Just, just pause, Rick. Just, just hold up. Um, if God knew all this, then, then why bother? Why bother? Why this, bother what? This, why bother create this? Literally goes to the, core of one of the reasons that I just don't believe in this religion. Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, why bother with man? Why not keep the dinosaurs or whatever? You see what I'm saying? Yes. I mean, if you know, and 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 I mean, I, I know this is this is our faith. This this is this is the core building block of our faith. 
So, but like Andy said, like if he knows all this, he knows he has to flood, he knows he has to send his son, then why? What if? Mm-hmm. Is what I've always exactly said. like. Why even put the snake in the in the in the bush? It's the it's the problem you of the claim of ineff- <laughs> it's the problem of the claim of ineffability. Uh-huh. I'm gonna go with love. <laughs> You're gonna get a lot of backlash on that. I don't care. You know what? I think that's what? a good it's answer. Kind of you know what? I, I stand with her. I, I, I mean, it's I'm kind of funny that you I agree. Ask it's that, a, I agree. It's a good answer because it's the same reason for having kids uh, yeah you know that's going to be a pain yeah. it's going to cost it's okay. going to this going to okay. that i think that's as good an answer as you're going to get I mean, i'll really. take it i'll take it it's okay. love if you not i mean let's be real okay i got this little dog he's ugly he's so ugly i i would have never bought the dog whatever really not you know my son said he wanted to rescue this dog back when he was in middle school. And I was like, no, we already have dogs. So he sneaks the dog in the house. He's hiding the dog in a crate. And I go in there and I find the dog and I'm like, dang it. He's brought this dog home. And I look at this dog and I'm like, this dog is so ugly that if I take him to the to the pound or something, <laughs> they're just gonna they're just gonna put him yeah, down. Like nobody's gonna, possibly gonna, gonna want this dog. Yeah. They're not and I just looked at him, I felt so bad for him. I was like, oh, bless. I'm just going to have to keep him anyway. I've met people like that that you just look at and you're like, Why are you, you, you just you look at them and they're such a mess or they're just so unwanted or so neglected or you're just like, oh. it's the love. It's the love that you have that's in you. That you look at things like us. I think God looked at us. I mean, even though he created us, like Ralph said, got kids, man. If you got kids, you got issues. But yeah. I'm just saying there just comes a point where love takes over all the muck and mess and yuck because you you love. And uh, I, I think he loved us. I agree with that. You know, we some of you know that uh, we are trying to take guardianship of a young woman. And she's just turned 15. And the only thing I knew about her were bad things, the things that she did that were bad. And mm-hmm. then my daughter comes and says uh, uh, she's just got picked up. Uh, and taken away from her family, and we wanted. I wanted to live here, and I'm thinking, okay, I know like six or seven bad things that this girl has done, and you want her to come into my house. And God said, yeah, yeah, you've got the love for this girl, and you've got to, right. you've got to do it. And I don't know. I, I've told her this several times. I honestly don't know. I, I, I honestly don't know how I feel about her the way I do. As early as I do because it's only to me it's only a God thing God God put love for this human being in my heart in order for me to accept someone this damaged and troubled into my house with another teenage girl that uh, could be corrupted and and it's it certainly it hasn't gone that way it hasn't gone that way at all we've just shown her love but I, I agree with you love is all you need yeah I mean nine times out of ten you get kicked in the teeth because of love but it's all you love anyway. So I'm just like a puppy dog. I just keep coming back. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I, I was while I was sitting here thinking, you know, what you were saying that one thing, one of the attributes of God is that He is holy. And I've said this in previous podcasts. We we don't really know what that is. Like we we can't understand absolute holiness, right? But He made a He made pure. this. Yeah, it's pure. But He made a thing. Like He made a man. You know, and He made a woman. But he didn't make the woman right away. He made the man first, right? Mm-hmm. And he saw that man was alone. And it was the only thing that God had made 
that wasn't good. Do you ever notice that? Yep. It's everything else he said it was good, good, but the fact that man was alone wasn't good. And so he made the woman so that he would have a companion. And I think that's because God understands companionship. I think he does, you know, and so through through the course of time as he's made man and he tells them, "Okay, I'm holy, and these are the things that you have to do in order for me to relate with you." But they couldn't because they ate of the tree of not the the tree of uh, knowledge of good and evil, and I always want everybody to remember the knowledge of good is in that line too. Okay, you can act like a really good person, and but anyway, the they were they were broken, and so not only had it made this thing that he was able to walk with before, but then when he made these statues and all these, they couldn't do it. They could not. It wasn't going to happen. So they they he creates these things. There there's no remission of sin unless there's blood that has to be spilt. If any of you try to live without blood, none of you will. That's one thing that all of us have is blood, and without it, we can't go. Like we're not going to go. So blood is a very important thing. It's the thing that God gave us to make us alive. It's the oxygen that's in our blood, and we got the heart that pumps the blood and all that. But it's the blood. If we cut, the blood goes out. We're done, correct? So my point is, is that blood is an important thing. Even though we see it in horror movies and we think ugly of it, without blood, there is no life for us or for any creature that we know of, right? Every creature has blood, right? Yep. In some fashion. As far so, as I know. Yeah. Well. Maybe they're amoebas. Do yeah, they have blood? Yeah, there's like little single-celled organisms, but they have, you know, they have a, like, they have a, what is it? the liquid? There's a liquid in them. I mean, they still have a, a liquid that moves nutrients and things through their yeah. little cell. Sure. <laughs> but I can't, so I can't answer why God had to have blood, but I used to think that a long time. Like, well, why? Why am I going to do that? All I can say is that without blood, there is no life. And so that's an important thing that God sees. And I agree. If that's what God sees, that's what God sees. But it took his only son who said to himself, being equal with God is not necessary. I'm going to make myself lower even than these angels and these other beings that are around me, and I'm going to become a man, and I'm going to even go beneath that. I'm going to become a servant to the man, and I'm even going to go beneath that. I'm going to sacrifice my life for the servant. I'm going to go below. And he taught that when he was in his ministry. He, you know, he got down and he washed the feet of his disciples. He did a servant's action, but yet he is the master of all things, but he's a servant at heart. He did some beautiful things, you know? And so when we read John 3.16, even though I always complain we're taking it out of context, but if you listen to it, it says, for God so loved the world. That for, you got to go back and read the other 15 verses to understand it. But for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Everlasting life. Everlasting life. Think about that for a minute. So now you've got a God that had a problem. He had a being that he loved, and, he, and they, can't, they can't work. So what he does is he allows the blood of Christ, what Christ did for him. He did for the Father. He didn't do it for you. We, a lot of times we think that. He didn't want to go to the cross. Remember, we talked mm-hmm. about that when he was in the garden. He, he wanted out. But he, did, he loved the Father. He did it for the Father so that the Father could have us. And so, the way that every Christian, I don't care what sect you're in, when God looks at the human being in judgment, the one that wants the everlasting life or the eternal life that goes beyond this world into the next, which I believe in, that he is the only bridge to that because of his blood, his lifeblood is what did it. 
And so basically he sees what Jesus did for me. And then he will have communion with me no matter what I do. That doesn't mean that I'm going to go around punching around I'm a jerk and I can do whatever I want. That's not what it means. Paul said that many times. He said, even though grace abounds where sin does, should I sin all the more? Because grace will abound that much more? God forbid. forbid. Yep. No, we're not supposed to. We're supposed to try not to sin. We're supposed to try to love our enemies. We're supposed to do the things. We're supposed to walk in the footsteps of Christ the way that he did. That is what we all should be spending our time doing. We're talking about eschatology because it was important, because Jesus said that it was important. He said, it. this is when this is going to happen. But the people that killed him had to be judged, and he said they would be within a generation, and they were. And so that, to me, is important. It was. But from beyond that point and how all eschatology works and all the arguments and all the stuff that they do, I can't raise my flag, guys. I don't know. Well, I think, you know, it's funny you say that. You know, the Pharisees and the Sadducees wanted him killed because he would threaten uh, their lifestyle when— <laughs> They lost it anyway. Right. Yeah. So, regardless of what your eschatology is, just remember this. Christ died for the ungodly. That's what the Bible says. Christ died for the ungodly. And if anybody wants him, all they have to do is ask. That's it. All they have to do is ask. And that's all that's required. Everybody else who might say, you have to do this and you have to do this and you forget it. You don't have to do anything else. And you don't have to say, God, I'm a sinner and I know I deserve death. Because every time everybody says it, it's like, how are you going to get God? How are you going to get somebody to believe in God? Why not just say, I believe? Yeah, I mean, there's, that's, that's it. of course, there's repentance. I mean, repentance right. comes with it. Repentance meaning, I understand that without you, I'm not going to have this next life. And also, like you said, Sherry, you said you weren't worried about heaven or hell or anything. You just mm-hmm. said my life's a wreck. Yeah, you know, totally broken. For me, it was like, I wanted love. You know, and what was your reason, Billy? Like whenever you decided to get saved, you just what was it? I just I just felt loved. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Ralph? I go back to that second grade. God said come, I obeyed. That's right. it. I've I've uh, I've been around it all my life. I believed. Um and he said come and I did and I uh, once I questioned uh, mm-hmm. right after my divorce because I was angry, but no other time. Yeah. So for anyone that's listening that is curious about it, you know, you just take a minute and stop. Take stock in your life. Do you understand that things that you do are considered sin to a holy God? Well, if, you know, if if you feel inclined, if something's coming in your heart and you feel inclined, then talk to him. You know, if you feel sorry, tell him you're sorry. If you need love, tell him you need love, whatever. Come, just come to him and ask him. The repentance and all of the things, these are these are things that are going to naturally happen naturally because you're going to feel that conviction that comes. It just happens that way. So no matter what your eschatology is, if you do not have love, then what do you got? Love is all you need, right? Love is all you need. All you need, all you need. That and gasoline. So this completes our Olivet Discourse study. We didn't really get into any word. We are going to do a series on history, the history of the church from the first century all the way up to the present. It is a huge study. But next, we're going to hit the Esther series. We promised we already did the kickoff, so we're going to get into the Esther series. It's a, it's a wonderful book to study. And so we're going to get into that. And um, yeah, so that's it. Uh, and just so you know, right now, we are in the midst of Holy Week. Mm-hmm. Um Today, you know, is Holy Week, and uh, tomorrow would be Good Friday, uh, which would be, according to the Catholics, that was the day that Christ died. And then, uh, of 
well, to Baptists too. Some people do. I don't. Unless you're Orthodox <laughs> and then it happens next week. <laughs> After Passover? Next Friday. Uh, Orthodox are on a different calendar. That's oh. next Friday for them. What? I didn't. See, I learned something new every day. Yeah, that, right? I'm not studying that yeah, one. Yeah. I got other things going on. <laughs> anyway, well, guys, thanks again for listening, and uh, you know, thanks for listening to me go through down that path. You know, of, of the preterist. I know it's hard to do, but you know, maybe we'll look into the other ones too. Like I like post millennialism. I've looked into that too, but hey, I haven't got my flags raised up. So yeah, he's said, got some great songs. Well, who's that? I'm kidding. It's oh. a bad joke that two people got. Thank you, you two people. <laughs> What were you saying, Billy? Uh, so he's coming back with a hammer or a silver surfboard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping the silver surfboard, he was pretty cool. Yeah, he was pretty cool. <laughs> what so. an obvious product of the 60s, right? Yeah. Silver surfer? Yeah. That would be Stan Lee. Yep, Stan Lee. So anyway. Well, thanks for being here, Billy. Well, thank you, Rick. This, yeah. is, this Ralph, is awesome. Thanks for being here, Andy. That was interesting. Yeah, Cherry. That's Thanks, the Rick. end. Yeah, part eight, we're done. Hey, let's get into something else, huh? <laughs> All right. Well, we'll talk to you guys next time on the Burroughs of Berea. I didn't think that was ever going to end. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs>